Warning, parental advisory is recommended. Oh, f- just listen. Hello, Habibis. Welcome to Lyrical Spit, Volume 23. I am your host of Lyrical Spit, Zaifala, the Butcher Dobashi. I'm not a sports entertainer. I'm a professional wrestler who loves to entertain you. I am also ordained, and I can marry you and give you all your blessing needs. Email your requests at debashibookings at gmail.com send your lyrical spit emails to lyrical spit at gmail.com I also have a 24 hour lyrical spit hotline the number is 360-200-8779 and you know what you may just hear your voice message right here on the show please rate, share, follow and or subscribe on iHeartRadio Apple Podcasts, Spotify and on most of your major podcast platforms you can get the links all in one place at lyricalspit.com i just wanted to give the artist some love the artists you hear on this show you can look them up on youtube and go ahead show them some love thank you very much for your positive feedbacks on my daily spit segments the day i don't do my daily spit I will have my daily spit on the show that airs on that day, just like today. And now it's time for my daily spit. If you don't think there's a way, make your own path. When you're done making it, you will be the master of it to teach it to others. Today's show has a country twang to it, because my guest for this show is the legendary professional wrestler, Cowboy Scott Casey. I will be right back with the Cowboy, right after Earl Dibbles Jr., the Country Boy song. I'm Earl Dibbles Jr. I'm a country boy. Of course I work hard. People don't know if i got a schedule or not, but I do. i got a tough schedule. I wake up, put a dip in, crack a cold one, put my boots in my overalls on. This is the country boy song. I like the gig frogs, like the good hogs, like to swim in the creek with my bird dog. Uh-huh. This is the country boy song. Chew it up, spit it out, crack a cold one and tilt it back. I'm tired of these city boys running their mouth. If the truck gets stuck, I ain't pulling them out. If you got a dip in your lip, help me sing along. This is the country boy song. Catch bass and cats with a rod and reel Kill bucks from the top of a windmill all day long This is the country boy song I fix the tree, 
whittle sticks. My barbed wire tattoo gets me chicks. Uh-huh. Of course, it goes all the way around. I keep a 12 gauge by my waterbed, cause the next trailer overlives a meth head. Uh-huh. And that ain't biscuits he's cooking. Yeah, I'm a redneck. I'm white trash, quarter Cherokee blood from my mom's half. This is the country boy song. So chew it up, spit it out, crack it cold one, and tune it back. I'm tired of these city boys running their mouth. If the truck gets stuck, I ain't pulling them out. If you got a dip in your lip, help me sing along. This is the country boy song. getting a cold and I tell them get those four-wheelers running just come on like that got cold ones cracking dip dipsons things I do every day fix trees dip wake-ups I ain't got no windmills in cities how you gonna get in drinking water in the cities when you got you ain't got no windmills how they even drink in the city like I'm gonna get out that thing about four-wheel drive Hit that thing down. Coming up on our hill. The rock just coming down. Just coming down. One, 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 one. All the way down. It is my honor to introduce to Lyrical Spit, professional wrestler, the legendary Cowboy Scott KC. How you doing, my brother? Not bad, not bad at all. I, I thought I was Clint Eastwood when I heard that that music. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an honor to have you on. And real quick before we start, I want to spin the first time random question reel for the first time guest to break the ice. Are, are you down sure. with that? All sure. Right. All right. No problem. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, the first time random question is, you ready? Sure. Who would win in a foot race, Speedy Gonzalez or the Roadrunner? <laughs> the Roadrunner. <laughs> okay, any particular reason? 
No, it just that's what popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a phone call last night with a mutual friend of ours, and uh, that person had left you a, a message. So I'm going to play that for you real quick before I forget, and I don't want to get heat with her. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. Sure. Hi, this is Sunny the California Girl from Glow, Gorgeous Plays of Wrestling, and I have a little shout-out for a sexy cowboy, Scott Casey. I heard you were having him on your show, so I just wanted to say have a good show and uh, kick up your boots in that rodeo, babe. There you go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like an old cowboy once said, I can't, I wouldn't mind leaving my boots under her bed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh she's going to get a kick out of that. I'll tell you that. That's awesome. So how are you holding up with all this uh, coronavirus stuff? I mean, uh, in your neck of the woods, or uh, does that affect you out there? Oh, it, it affects you. As a matter of fact, I am sitting in a parking lot in town. It sounds so funny to say town when I've lived all over the world. But anyway... <laughs> I uh, am going to have my uh, COVID shot here probably another hour or so. And, uh, you know, half the people here take the, the virus serious and the other half don't. So you'll see masks on some and some you don't. You guys are. It's just taking over the that part of the world. And, oh, man. It, <clears throat> and it, uh, it affects us old folks more than it does the young people. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. Yeah, matter of fact, um, my tag partner, him and his family just got over it about a month ago. And right before you called me to do this interview, my other good buddy, wrestling brother, he called me. And he just got COVID, and he didn't sound very good on the on the telephone. So I, I'm gonna. He lives out in Idaho, so I want to send prayers and wishes for him to get well, and hopefully his family don't catch it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yep. So it's a mess. Prayers out to you, Kenny Roberts. Yeah, wow, wow. You know, what a 2020, hopefully 2021 will be a lot better. So uh, you got any projects you're working on? or what, What's Scott Casey doing well, nowadays? Well, as, as a matter of fact, I do. I'm going to call you D because my tongue almost falls off my mouth. That's perfect. Just don't, that's perfect. It, Just don't call it, me late for dinner. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I wrote a book, and I, it was going good until the virus hit, and boom, everything stopped, just like most everybody else. And it's called One Last Ride and the uh, Tale of Cowboy Scott Casey. And my <clears throat> very, very good friend, Nick Massey, who lives up in Bristol, Connecticut, helped me with it. And uh, he helped me write it, and we were selling the heck out of them. And then all of a sudden, like I said, it stopped because of the virus. We, you know, we'd go to what we call meet and greets, you know. Uh -huh. And uh, we, we went to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's called The Gathering. And it goes there every year. And I saw guys I hadn't seen in 40 years over there. And uh, none of them looked as old as me, but anyway, they all looked good. <laughs> and... Uh, we had a good time there and, you know, we sell pictures and we do autographs and books and, uh, you know, anything to make a buck, you know, and, and people were just all over the place there. 
But uh, outside of that, I just sit out on the front porch and drink cold beer and chase my dogs and, and watch the deer go by. And watch the deer go by. Yeah, <laughs> and when I say I'm out in the country, I am out in the country. It took me from the time I, I talked to you earlier uh-huh. until just whenever we started this interview just to get into town, you know, and uh, it's it's a little different, you know, especially for a guy that went all over the world like I did. But, uh, you know, I, it was, it's, you get used to it, I guess, to a certain extent. Oh, I bet. Now, you know, there's a lot of wrestling schools out, you know, nowadays. How was it back when you started? I mean, how did you break into the business and, uh, and <laughs> yeah, let the well, listeners and the youngsters know about that. Terry Funk, Glory Funk Jr., and Glory Funk Sr. were all friends of mine, and I talked with Terry. I still talk to him, to him all the time. But they, you know, Terry said, how'd you like to get into wrestling? I said, I don't know. He said, you'll never be at home. You'll never be alone. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> sure enough, you know, and Duke Myers was actually the first one after, after I talked to them. It mm-hmm. helped train me. And let me tell you, you know, a ring is hard. We put a, a big uh, carpet out on the front lawn, and I was taking backdrops and hip tosses and arm drags and things like that from Duke. And uh, I don't even know if he's still alive. I hope so, but I don't know. And uh, then I got into it. I, 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 My first match was on TV in Amarillo. And I'm wrestling Dick Murdoch. I don't know whether you knew Dick or not, but he was about six three or four, and about two sixty. I know who he is, and, but unfortunately, I never got to meet him. Well, he he was a wild man, you know. <laughs> and we we lock up, and he says, "Big old arm drag." I said, "Who? Me or you?" He said, "Me, Edgar." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I was scared to death, you know. But we had a lot of good fun with it. And uh, a great ring funeral, you know. He made me look like a million dollars when I wasn't worth about two cents, you know. But uh, and, you know, and and then I went from Amarillo. Now I'm living in West Texas in Amarillo, and okay. I ain't never been anywhere east of Longview, Texas. I drive my little Volkswagen from Amarillo, Texas, to Tampa, Florida. And I'm telling you what, that was an experience, you know, because it, it never rains up there in the panhandle like it did down in the southeast, you know, and uh, scared the hell out of me. But I got there, you know, eventually. Uh, but before I got there, my car started smoking. I went, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? <laughs> and then the I, I'm alongside the road and it's smoking. And this is a true story, I swear to God. This trucker stops. He said, looks like you got a little problem. I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll hook you up. And we're, we're still in Texas. We're going south. I was going to take uh, I-10 down. He said, uh, I'll, I'll stop in Decatur, Texas. It's called Ader from Decatur. Don't ask me why, but that's what they call it. <laughs> and... Uh, I got there, 
you know, and I'm just a kid, and I don't have any money. Uh-huh. Really, I mean, I had enough to get down there. And this guy, he said, well, tell me what happened. I said, well, I, I, I'm trained to wrestle. And he said, you don't know Joey Funk and Terry Funk, do you? And I said, very good friends of mine. And honest to God, he said, I'll fix it for you. I know you don't have a lot of money, and you can send it to me. And I did. Every week when I got paid, I'd send him money, and finally got it paid off. The thermostat went out on the on the Volkswagen, and it was trying to burn it up. And oh God, well it didn't. But anyway, that's how I got down there, or else I'd have been a, washing dishes there in Decatur, Texas, or something. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I just got lucky, and I went down there. Well, that- and I trained with uh, Hiro Matsuda. Steve Kern, uh, let me see some of the other guys that were there. Dennis McCord or Austin Idol, however you want to say it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going back a lot of years with these guys. And a lot of these young folks wouldn't, wouldn't know who they are. But uh, they were excellent ring generals, and I learned from them, you know. And uh, that's the way I got started. That's <clears> awesome. I, I remember watching you in Southwest Championship Wrestling, and I, I, I loved it. I remember watching it on the USA Network, and I was so disappointed when All-American Wrestling took its place. You, you remember Bobby Jaggers? Oh, yes. Yep. Well, and you can find this on the Internet. Okay. I dumped a whole 20-gallon bucket. They call them big pies, but I call it horse shit, I swear. And that's what I, I used to raise quarter horses there in San Antonio. And uh, we were working this angle. And uh, <clears throat> I, he had enough nerve to do it. We're, he's doing an interview, and I'm in the ring, and he's hollering at me. And I get out of the ring, I go up there, and he slaps the hell out of me, dude, I swear. I mean, it, it messed up my hearing in my left ear. And uh, I picked up this bucket of horse manure that was underneath the podium. <clears throat> I don't know how I got there, but anyway. And I dumped the whole thing on his head. And you can see it on, I, on the, the internet. I, matter of fact, it, it, matter of fact, I watched it on YouTube last night. And it, 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 it I remember <laughs> him saying it was pig pies. Well, you know, on TV you couldn't do it back then. But now you can say <laughs> almost anything. Yes, I you know, love but, it. I love it. Oh, and honest to God, it sunk so bad. I walk in there between the matches, and some of the guys were relieving themselves in there in the. In so, so that was legit manure. Yes. Oh wow! I had quarter horses out there. I had about twenty quarter horses that, on this uh, sixty acres, and I rented out there. And uh, you know, you got to they call it mucking the stalls or uh-huh. breaking them out. Well, guess where it went, you know? So, and we sold out everywhere we went doing that. Oh, my God. That's awesome. He had enough nerve. Yeah. What was was your most favorite territory you worked in? Probably San Antonio. I mean, I love New York working up there, but uh, I really love San Antonio. The people were great. The food, if you've never been to Texas, you got to go down oh. there. They got a place called Meteoras. I met Willie Nelson in there one night. We got drunk. But anyway, uh, they don't have locks on the doors because they stay open 24 7. And uh, they, 
they have a, another place that's Italian restaurant called Paisano's. I mean, the food is to die for. But anyway, I'm getting off the. No, that's path great. Here, but. You know, I love Texas. So I got invited to the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum in Wichita Falls, Texas. So I'll plug out to them. Johnny Mantell, uh, Cowboy Johnny there you Man- go. Mantell and Kay. And I remember when I, I, I flew into Dallas. Well, I was supposed to meet my tag partner in Oklahoma, and we were going to road trip to Wichita. And I remember that there were tornadoes or something, and, and, and all the flights got messed up. And so I was like, man, I'm, ne- I'm not going to miss. Uh, I was going to wrestle that night. And uh, I said, I'm not going to miss the Hall of Fame, you know, and wrestle in front of the legend. So they rerouted me to Dallas. And I remember renting a car and driving from Dallas to Wichita Falls, Texas. And I'm telling you, it was the first time I was in Texas. And it was beautiful country. I mean, the scenery, just the drive alone from Dallas to Wichita was awesome. I loved it. Sorry, I had to throw that. Yeah. I had to reminisce about that. And shout out to my cousin Jamal in Dallas, but. I'm sorry. Now I veered off. You're contagious. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, when you when you wrestled with the WWF, um, um, at that time, I believe, wasn't Rip Oliver and Putty Rose doing the circuit too when you were there? Uh, they were going out as I was coming in. Oh, okay. But I know both the guys. Well, I, God bless you so, Rip. I mean, I enjoyed working with him. And Buddy, his real name was Paul Persman. And yeah. how he put all that weight on, I'll never know. But he looked like a ball with two legs. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But I knew them both went very well. Yeah, <laughs> Buddy Rose, um, um, I knew him really well. And uh, um, and I have a really funny story. I want to. I don't want to take up – this is your time on here. I could tell you the story off air. air. It's really funny. Go ahead. But, oh, you want to hear? Okay. Well, sure. Ed Moretti, they 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 were doing a uh, a show in Medford, Oregon, and they wanted to rent my wrestling ring, and I was going to work the show. So I drove down there, and on the way there, I caught salmonella poisoning, and Ooh. I did. And so when we got to the fairgrounds, I didn't know I had it. So I missed the first show, and I'm sitting in my hotel room, and I I had like 104 temperature. So Buddy Rose was freaking out. He's like, we got to get Debashi to the the hospital. And I'm sure you – I don't know if you rode with Buddy Rose, but that guy is a crazy driver. Rest his soul. Love the guy. And, I mean, he was zigzagging like he was in a movie. So we get to the hospital, and I remember they hooked me up in the IV, and I remember – uh, he almost puked because I couldn't hold my fluids in and he was sitting there in the room and as I was going to the room, I mean, I got up from the bed and my, 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 uh, how would I say it? My crap was thinner than water and I was dropping like green droplets on the floor to the bathroom. And I remember him just sitting there and he was almost like puking and freaking out, you know? He was a great guy, but he didn't have a he didn't have a, a, a you know strong stomach, stomach or stuff. For it. Yeah, I mean it was. I guess it was funnier if you were there, but just seeing I don't know. It was it was kind of funny. Oh, uh, you know, so many things happen to people. You know, 
and I, I want to tell the young guys and gals that are watching, you know, they're saying, oh, well, he didn't get hurt or anything like that. But you do. Yes. I remember wrestling. Uh, it's so fun being old. You can't remember Diddley. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the, uh, oh, God, I'm trying to, his main name is just driving me crazy. Oh, the, uh, the two guys from Australia. Oh, uh, the sheep herders. Yeah, Luke. Uh huh. Okay, now I'm going. Okay. I'm wrestling Luke, and I've got a sleeper hole on him, and we're down in Harper's Cove, Texas, and it's hotter than hell there. And we hit the ropes, and I put the sleeper on him, and we slide out the ring. I'm about 215. He's about 250. And we land on my shoulder and my head. Oh, no. He gets up, and he went, mate, mate, your shoulder, my clavicle or collarbone, popped up, turned my head to the right, and I hit my collarbone. Oh, no. I mean, it was still in my skin, yeah. And uh, I'm freaking out. And I go back to the dressing I told him, I said, cover me. I said, I can't go anymore. <clears throat> he did. I go back to the dressing room. Uh, the EMT's there. And they said, well, we're going to put your arm next to your side and tape it from under your elbow over your shoulder, blah, blah, blah. I said, you're going to kiss my ass. I said, you're going to do it the way I want you to do it. And I told him, I said, you're going to do it under my armpit and try to pull it back down. I worked for years like with that thing like that. Wow. You know, nowadays they've got doctors and stuff. That, yeah. You know, and I mean, I get you now. I don't, <clears throat> I'm not going to go to an orthopedic surgeon to have it done. But back then I should have. But, uh, you know, you have things like that. I went out of the ring one night. In the little town, and there, uh, Umbarger, Texas. And I hit the timekeeper. Back then, they had a table, and the guys were sitting at the table. I hit a table with wood, and a piece of wood went in underneath my arm, right where my bicep and tricep connect. Well, I didn't think anything of it. Hell, I just pulled it out, finished the match, got drunk, went back to the dressing room. I mean, went back to the hotel, and about three in the morning, my arm, I looked at it, it was huge. And I, I got it infected. So I went to emergency room. This guy went in there and spliced it and all this crap came out. But, oh, wow. You know, you have things like that happen, you know. I tore up my knee, you know. It, it's just like Wahoo told me one time when I messed up my finger, I broke a finger. Uh-huh. You'll love this story. Okay. I went back into the dressing room. It's a two out of three fall match. I'm wrestling Dory Funk Jr. for the world title. He, we locked up, and he, you know, you call her an elbow, and he caught my little finger and just ripped it out of socket, and it's laying on the side of my hand. And we finished the first fall. I wow. go back to the dressing room. Wahoo says, and I'm hollering, cussing everybody and everything out, and screaming and all and crying. He said, shut the F up. I said, what do you mean? He said, anybody tell you you had to do this for a living? No, no. You know, I mean, he <laughs> just was excruciating. I bet. He said, well, you can, this, I learned this thing 40 years ago. He said, you can find sympathy alphabetically in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. Look it up. <laughs> Hello. 
that don't make a man out of you. You want to go out and shoot yourself. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was Wahoo. Yeah. I have got more stories about him with me. I mean, you know, I don't know how long you want to do an interview, but I can do them for hours on hours of stuff we uh, did. Uh, <clears throat> but he was one of the toughest men, and I miss him and loved him to death. No. You know, but I mean, when he told me that, it was like take, turning the water off. Because I quit crying, I quit hollering, I quit cussing, you know. And I thought about it later. I said, he's right. Nobody told me you had to wrestle for a living. And, and <laughs> well, it's just story after story, D. Well, so who who would you say was the, the, the toughest out of all the wrestlers back then? Would you say Wahoo? Yes. I saw him. Honest to God, I'm telling you these things. But they, I can't make them up. I'm going it. down to. Uh, we're going down to a little border town in Texas, and he was always kind of grumpy. But I said his real name was Ed McDaniel instead of what. But I said, Ed, what the fuck is the matter with you? Pardon me if I'm not supposed to say that. But anyway, I told him. He said, oh, I had to go to the doctor today, and they cut a cyst out of my anus. Oh no! Hello, and we're going to a town to wrestle. Wow! On the way, we stopped at a Seven Eleven. He said, "Go in and buy me a box of Kotex." <laughs> wow! He said, "I got you know." He's the main event. He's not going to miss the match. He's going to get out there, and I'm telling you what that was. He was Choctaw Chickasaw Indian, and he was just tough and mean as any man I ever met. And nice as, and had the heart of gold when he when he wanted to have it, you know. But he was great. And outside of him, I'd say Johnny Valentine, Greg's father. Really? I wrestled him. Yeah, I wrestled him in High Point, North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere like that. I'm in the dressing room and I go out. And George Scott is the booker. He said, Scott. And John's already in the ring. Now, he's about 6'3", 250. And he said, do you know anything about Johnny Valentine? I said, not really. He said, well, fight for your life. I went, what? <laughs> he pushed me through the curtain. I get out in the ring, and I'm telling you what. This big bastard, would he, he wouldn't hit you in the eyes or in the groin or in the mouth, but he worked your body over with his back. And his stomach and chest, he knocked me out of the ring. And now this was my first time on TV. And I thought to myself, you know, by God, I'm 1,500 miles away from Amarillo, Texas, but I ain't going to let anybody beat on me without getting a receipt. I got back up, and he's talking to Angelo Martinelli, the, the referee. Uh-huh. I grabbed his long blonde hair, yanked him over, and D, I never hit a man this hard in my life. I'm surprised I didn't stop his heart. I did, you know, forearm across his chest. Uh-huh. And you know what he did? He goes, oh, I love it. I would I would call it sadomasochistic. <laughs> he loves to get hit. Now, I wonder what his sex life was like <laughs> oh, if he did that. Now, now, now if, if I remember right, he never liked to get thrown off the ropes, right? Oh, it didn't matter. I mean, I picked him up. I beat on him after that. And you know, after I after I got up and started swinging at him, it was like, "Way to go, kid!" 
you're doing fine. And he, he was just as light as a feather. But prior to that, he wanted to make sure that I had enough cojones to get out there and take it and, you know, do it. Back then, the old-timers would work you over like a red-headed stepchild. But they didn't care. You know, they wanted, if, you, if you can't take it, get your ass out of the ring and go sell popcorn. Uh-huh. And that's the way they were. I mean, honest to God, I I wrestled Jerry Blackwell, 410 pounds, at Duke of the Butcher. You know, he was a good 400 plus. And, and these guys wanted, you know, this was their livelihood. If you couldn't take it or you couldn't dish it out, you don't need to be there. Wow. But, uh, you know, they would work with you once they knew that you would wanted to work. So, yep. Like I said, I vary off in different directions, so. I have a funny. Bring me back to whatever. I have a funny Abdullah the butcher story. So, when when I lived up in Michigan, um, I I met him and Kevin Sullivan, which I'm still great friends uh, with them today. And Abdullah kind of took me out of his uh, under his wing, and he grandfathered the butcher name to me. So me, and my tag partner that we're tag now, we used to feud, and we were going to do this gimmick up at abdullah's restaurant in atlanta georgia and we we're going to have a, a a match out in the parking lot at, at his restaurant but instead so it's on youtube and and so i go in and i attack him and did this thing and chief comes makes a save and i run out into the getaway car as i'm doing that his restaurants is in the hood right and uh-huh. there's about five or six Black guys out there getting ready to chase me with guns, and Abdullah had to chase them down. They were about to shoot me. They thought I beat up Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> and I was like, he goes, no, no, that's my friend. That's my friend. Uh, I thought it was funny. but Oh, yeah, you're lucky you didn't get your ass shot. I know. <laughs> Abby, Abby was a great guy, and I enjoyed working with him. I worked with him in Houston. I worked with him in Texas and Florida, uh, New York, the Carolinas, you know. He had that real high voice. Okay, baby. Yes. Take care of me now. Yeah. I remember. Fun. I remember first time hearing him talking. I think he was in Japan. I was like, I was kind of shocked. His voice didn't fit, fit his body. No, <laughs> that's true. So, when was the first time did you uh, do a tour of Japan? Oh God, it was in the. I want to say the middle 70s I went there and I went back again close to 78 or 9 and uh, then I went to San Antonio after that I enjoyed it over there I, I wrestled Giant Baba back then and what a nice guy he was and he talked real low like this he was funny you know but he paid well and I enjoyed going there I didn't mind it at all the trips were tough I mean you know he they had, when I say tough, they had a Mercedes-Benz bus that they'd take you around in, or else you'd ride the bullet, the, the big train that goes through there, goes over 100 miles an hour or something like that. But uh, I enjoyed it. I remember I'm walking down the street. I'm with, uh, what was his name? Hank James and his brother, Bobo Brazil. Uh-huh. And I and I get into it with these two sumos, 
<laughs> and they started giving me some stuff in Japanese. I knew they were cussing me out. Well, Bobo and Hank were, you know, they're both like six, six, something like that. They walked up and they said, you need to leave our friend alone. They didn't know what he said, but they knew they were serious. And it was funny as well, you know what I mean? I was getting ready to fight him. I mean, hell, they were three or four hundred pounds apiece. But no memories, you know, a lot of memory. I have a lot of memory. Did different times. Did the Jap- I, did the Japanese wrestlers? Uh, did they were they a lot harder onto the American wrestlers until they gained respect? Was uh, it- sometimes. Well, I wrestled this one kid, Anoki. Mm-hmm. Good looking kid, built real good, and. Uh, he threw me out of the ring and he dove over the top rope and I'm laying on my side and landed on my shoulder. He popped my sternum. Ooh. I got more. Yeah. Well, I got up. I heard that pop. I grabbed the chair and I like to beat him to death. <laughs> and, uh, it remember the little guy that was the go-to for the Baba organization. Uh-huh. But, uh, he says, I let up on him, let up on him. I said, F that, I said he tried to break my chest. He said, all right, go get him. <laughs> he ran out of the room, went back to the dressing room. But, I mean, it hurt. It hurt like hell. You, you learn to live with these pains yeah. and aches. Part of the business. Well, you know, I got, I got some uh, our awesome listeners had sent me a handful of emails. Uh, would you mind li- um, answering no, them? No, not at all. Okay. Sure. We will be right back answering emails with Cowboy Scott Casey. But first, Tig and Marie, I don't know what is. I grew up 4506, way up north and in the sticks with my grandpa's tractor in the backyard. Running barefoot, wild and free through the fields and through the creeks where God's good people like to work hard. My roots run deeper than these woods where grass is green and life is good. Don't need no help to bathe up. I can do it myself. If that ain't country, I don't know what is. Been bumping Johnny Cash since I was a little kid. Swung a lot of rope swings out in the Sunday. Living all fun 
help keep this show free by buying some of our swag of apparel at butcherspit.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and even baby onesies. That's butcherspit.com. You've got mail. You've got mail! Mail, 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 mail! <laughs> you got all kinds of letters! <laughs> all right, here we go. This first email is from Tammy from Spokane, Washington. And it says, Mr. Casey, I've heard, me. I heard a lot of stories of Gary Hart. Do you have any memorable stories about him? Yes, I do. I wrestled Gary. He was a manager, but I we had this angle where I'm in the ring with him in uh, Dallas, Texas. And I can't remember the name of the... I can't remember the name of the big place that we wrestled in, but we were uh, at a bull rope match, which was my specialty. And he was whipping the you-know-what out of me. Uh-huh. And Gary was not like by any stretch of the imagination. I took that rope, wrapped it around his neck twice, and wheeled him across the ring and held on to it. I like to strangle him to death. But anyway, <laughs> we got through the match. He said, great match, Scott, great match. I said, I don't know. If I had to wrestle you seven days a week, I'd, you'd have to give me a burial plot. Honest to God. I mean, he was tough, but he was a good guy. He had quick thinking, great ideas as far as angles and things. But uh, I loved him to death. God, awesome. I keep saying I love these guys. They're all passing away on me. I hate it. Wow. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Here's another one from Jose Walker, and he writes or emails, I watched Dark Side of Wrestling on Vice TV, and one of my favorite episodes was the the one with Gino Hernandez. Did you ever hang out with him? And if so, what was he like? And did you ever, did you two ever wrestle? Wrestled Gino many times in Houston. You know, Paul Box was his father. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. He was a promoter. Yeah. And uh, I wrestled him, and he had this cocky attitude all the time. Now, I've been in the business about 15 years before I went down to Houston. <laughs> and he was doing his all of his gaga to me and the rest of the guys. I looked at him straight in the eye and I said, you know, don't give me your bullshit. I've heard it. I've invented some of it. And I've <laughs> lost and forgotten more things than you'll ever know. And after that, we got to be real good friends. He laughed and laughed and laughed at me for, for saying that. But he, he was a good guy. I miss him, you know, and uh, the shame what happened to him. Yeah. Did you ever party and hang out with him? A little bit. We would uh, have a contest, see which girl we could pick up with that was prettier than <laughs> the other guys. And, uh, you know, sometimes we I would win, sometimes he'd win, sometimes it was a draw. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, this email, I love her name. I don't know if it's her real name, but it's a longtime listener. And this is from Jelly Jelly. And uh, she emails... Did you ever wrestle for Don Owens? And if so, what was your time like with him working in the Pacific Northwest? 
I never wrestled for Don. I knew who he was. I saw him in uh, St. Louis at some big shows. But uh, I went up there for the WWF, not the WWE at one time. Right. And we wrestled up there. And uh, they had some great seafood places up there. I remember that. But I, I never wrestled for him. Now, a kid that uh, went as my brother, but he wasn't, Steve Casey, uh, went up there. I think he did pretty well. And he passed away. Oh, well. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Well, now, speaking of all the, you know, the brothers passing away, do you think it's because how wrestling was different? You know, you know, you wrestled, you know, almost every night of the week. And if you didn't wrestle, it didn't work. You didn't get paid. So, you know, you'd do whatever you had to do, you know, the stay hurt yeah. free. I mean, do you, is, is that, you know, do you think that the, that's the big control? I don't know. I, I, I first. See, I, per- I personally just think it's God's time saying it's your time to die, you know, and it happens. I don't care if it's, you fall, you do it like in your sleep, like Roddy Piper did, mm-hmm. or you get hit by a car or uh, an accident, you know. I mean, guys like Junkyard Dog, uh, and God, I can't think, <clears throat> there's a lot of guys that died from accidents. But, uh, uh, Adrian Adonis? Like a one heart. Yeah, Adrian Adonis. Knew him very well. Matter of fact, I I won the world belt from him when I was in San Antonio. Oh wow! And, uh, now he was kind of a different breed of cat, but that's okay. I got along with him because I. By the time I met some of these guys, I've been in the business for a good ten, twelve years. So I wasn't gonna let any of them try to pull the wool over my eyes or bullshit me, you know. So that's just the way it was. Now. <clears throat> You know, it seems like it's a different time. And when when I was um, brought into the business and trained, I I think I was like at the very end. You know, the territories had started to diminish away, and and it was like, how would I say? It seemed like it was a different mentality because it's like almost every wrestler and how I was brought in was like you gotta. Everyone seemed like everyone was out to get everyone if you didn't know them. And I remember transitioning and, and, you know, wrestling in, you know, like in the uh, late 90s and the 2000s that, uh, how would I say, people got into the business too easy. And my mindset was like, everyone's out to get you. And how would I say it? And to this day, it's like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think I'm, what I'm trying to say, the wrestler nowadays are a different breed. Did they get in too easy, do you think? Because it seems like anyone I, that- You know, I tell you, D, I watch it every once in a while. And it's like they start out at 100 miles an hour and they wind up at 200 miles an hour. Uh-huh. You know, back when we were doing it, you... You had to work. You you worked for the crowd. You tell a story. You, you got them interested in what you were doing. You know, uh-huh. you, and and a comeback was just. I mean, people would explode. But it's not that way anymore. You know, it's just it, it, I. You know, things change. Life changes. People change. Ideas change. And the bottom line is, 
how much money can you make for me today, kid? You know, you know I mean, I... I think that's the problem, too. I'm sorry. I didn't mean... Before I, 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 I forget no, what I was going to no, say. No. I think, like, me and my partner, Chief out of Kula Kula, we always say, it seems like people are doing it just to impress themselves and then the boys in the back. And I, I understand when you first started, you know, you wrestle for peanuts, you know, you're learning the ropes, you know, and and, yep. and building your name. But it seems like to me, it's like I try to tell people I'm not a I'm a I'm 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 a professional wrestler and I'm not a volunteer wrestler. And then people try to say, oh, yeah. you, you sell out. And I said, how am I sold out? I said, look at Michael Jordan, LeBron James. They love what they do. They love their sports, but they do it for money too. I mean, that's their profession. Same thing with professional wrestling. I think a lot of people don't think of it as a business anymore. I mean, you could still have passion for it, but it's a business. I mean, am I wrong or or is – No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's it just – oh. You know, like I said, things change, people change, ideas change, and they get some of these guys in there that are giving angles out that don't know shit from Shinola about the business, and uh, they just want to explode it. They want these guys to get out there and explode. I watched this thing, uh, God, what's the name? I can't even remember the name of the company now. It was on TV last night. AEW? And I watched these guys. AEW. Yeah, uh-huh. and they had like they had a like a six or eight man tag match. Yes, I never saw so many moves that we would have used for a finish. Now I realize you got to go through a few false finishes, right? But this thing had them all the way through the match, you know. And it's just, I don't know. I guess it's just on how you educate the people as to how. It's gonna go, but uh, it's it's different, you know. And I had my time, and now they're having their time. God bless them; they can make a living at it without killing themselves. Most of them are going to be in a uh, hospital ward, you know, because some of the bumps these guys are taking over the, you know, flying over the top rope, being caught for by guys. Are hitting that rail on the outside. Uh-huh. Oh, but anyway, yeah, they'll be all crippled up. Do, do you think? <clears throat> do you think um, professional wrestling would do a, a, a full circle, or do you think the U- UFC's the full circle? I think professional wrestling will be a, a full circle, as you put it, uh, but. It's going to take time, and it's going to take. You have to re-educate the people to what you're doing, okay. in order to get them to come back to see the matches. That was the thing, and we got out there. I wrestled guys like you probably never heard of Billy Robinson. Oh yeah, Englishman. Yes. Now Billy was a unbelievable worker. I wrestled him in front of maybe a hundred people in. Uh, there's a little town down there. God, I can't even think of it now. But anyway, we had them standing on their feet, feet in the chairs and everything else, simply by what he wanted to do. And I just I just followed him around, and it was great. I mean, unbelievable work. 
Awesome. Where I was going with that, but anyway. I got a couple more emails here, and this one's from Ronald Santos from New Mexico. When you wrestled for the WWF, was it a different world working for the... I'm sorry, I can't even read. Was it a different world working for them compared to the other territories? Yes, it was. In what way? When I first started, I first... I flew from Dallas, Texas to Buffalo, New York. And you got to go to Atlanta and then go on up. Anyway, I walk in this big hall, and there must have been 200 wrestlers. And I'm going, gee whiz, I never saw this many wrestlers in my life. So I'm sitting down with a couple guys I knew. I mean, I knew most everybody. And, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you get the feeling that somebody's standing behind you. I look up, and there's Hulk Hogan. Nice. He said, Scott, how you doing? And I got up. He said, you don't have to get up. I said, yes, I do. He said, you probably don't remember this, but before I was in the business, you were wrestling in Florida, at, in Hollywood, Florida, and I was there. I said, I remember this tall, blonde, skinny kid. He started laughing, you know, because God, he was like, I don't know what, 280, 270, something like that. Uh-huh. But uh, he said, I remember watching you wrestle, you know. I said, well, you, you've come full circle. You've done quite well for yourself. I said, if I had your size and ability, I'd be doing it too, you know. And uh, he said, the man with the big chest, because I, I was like a 56-inch chest, 21-inch arms. A 34-inch waist, which was good. But there were probably 25 guys with the same dimensions that were at least three to four inches taller than me. Uh. Now, at the time, I was almost six foot tall. And uh, I, I and like I always tell people, you know, I got my walking papers from Vince when I was in Odessa, Texas. I've been there almost three years. Uh-huh. And he said, we need to let you go. But I can send you to Florida, or I can send you to Atlanta, and uh, for a year, then we'll bring you back to do something with you. He, I said, Vince, an honest guy, and he would agree with this. I said, I can accept failure when given a chance to fail. I said, but you guys never even gave me a chance. Well, Scott, we didn't really know that much about you. <laughs> I'm... 250 pounds and full of steroids and I wanted to get up and body slam the bastard, <laughs> but I didn't because yeah. I know someday you might have to cross that bridge again. And, uh, I, I said, okay. And I left and he said, go to Houston, uh, go to Atlanta. I said, no, I said 20 years, 21 years of it is enough for me. You know, because I've had more injuries than I really needed to have. But, and uh, I said, I appreciate your time, and thank you for letting me be here. And he was a nice guy to me. But he, I heard he could be really ruthless with some people. But he wasn't with me. So but, uh, that was your last... I was just one of the girls. Huh? That, that was your last uh, run when you with the WWF? Uh, yeah. I... Uh, I went back to Texas and went down to Houston. And Ivan Putsky had a wrestling school down there. Well, 
I, he, he called me. He said, will you come help me? I said, sure. I go down there. He said, I've got these two young guys. You're not going to believe when you see them, but you're going to like it. In, in the door, they come. He said, there they are. Booker T and his brother Stevie Ray. You know, <laughs> nice. one six three, one six four. Uh huh. You know, and I trained them and you know, and they acknowledged me as training them whenever they have the opportunity to talk about their wrestling. That's awesome. But uh they even they had they flew me from Florida to uh Las Vegas and uh, I presented them for the Cauliflower Alley Club and Love the guys that really good. We laughed and told stories, you know. And I, I think they liked me because I was honest with them. I did not bullshit them one bit. I said, people are going to call you the N-word behind your neck, mm-hmm. behind your back. They're going to do everything. I said, you know why? They said, no. Because they're jealous of the way you look. I mean, these guys were cut like out of stone, you know, huge. And and they learned how to work and how Booker T became world champion a bunch of different times. Uh-huh. And uh, I really like being with them. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. Okay, I got one last email here, and this is a good one. And this one's from Stephanie G. Mr. Scott Casey, the cowboy, if you could go back in time and change one thing in professional wrestling history – that would make today's wrestling better, what would it be and why? God, I'd have to think about that for a while, but I mean. We got time. (laughs) I just, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I guess not having to travel so much. Like when I was doing it, it was territory. Uh And we would travel, we would do, I mean, there's nothing to do. When I worked in Amarillo, uh-huh. nothing. You, you knew your, each each trip was going to be over 300 miles. Wow. And we did it seven days a week. I went for, God, a couple of years and never had a day off. We just would go and go and go and go. But you learned your, your craft quite well. <clears throat> you know, you knew how to do things. You knew how to, I mean, I could work an hour match. I could work a five-minute match. I could, uh, if I had to get juice, I would, but I didn't like, particularly like doing that. But uh, <clears throat> it was just, I mean, these are some of the things that I would have done different, you know. I mean, I wished, I wished I knew now what I knew, didn't know then, because I would have changed a little, a few things. And I learned a lot in the business from the old timers, you know, I mean. They were unbelievable. Their, their knowledge of the business. I give you a prime example. I'm wrestling a guy in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he calls this high spot. Must have been twelve different things, uh-huh. and I messed up on the last one. I forgot it. Mm-hmm. Wham! He said, "You do it again. I'm going to beat you to death." <laughs> I, by God, I didn't miss it the next time, you know. But I mean, back then they wanted to do their spots when they wanted. Them. Okay, kids, sell this, do that. All right, don't come back now. Keep coming, keep coming. I mean, they would direct you in how to do it. I know maybe I've gone off the beaten path for this lady, but uh, that's okay. Uh, 
there were so many there were so many different things that happened, you know, that you you uh, I, for an example, the Andersons, Ole and Gene. I'm wrestling with uh, Nelson Law, uh-huh. and Ole goes, Scott, I watch you. You learn how to work now. He said, do one thing and keep this in your memory. I said, what's that? He said, always go a hundred percent. You'll never get hurt. Well, I got hurt a lot of times, but I mean, I, I doing it a hundred percent. It's just like, you know, going through the ropes out onto the floor, a hundred percent off the top rope, bam, a hundred percent hitting the turnbuckle, coming out, doing backdrops, hundred percent, uh, hip tosses, body slams, just, you know, but Ole was right. If you do it, Ole, it, you know, some guys would kind of fiddle fart around in there, but you, you can't do that. You know, right. you've got to do it 100%. Mm-hmm. I hope she, that it helps her a little bit. Oh, I'm sure she Like I said, I'm <laughs> okay. Now, I'm sure that you've been involved in many ribs, uh, Got any favorite ones that you uh, were part of, or the receiving end of it? Let me see. It was a lot of ribs. <clears throat> My dearest, dearest friend. Now and he's still alive, but he died yesterday. Anyway, oh. Hillbilly Jim. We're in a hotel. Uh huh. <laughs> and he. And he's giving me shit about something or other. He said, well, I'm going to go up to this room and I go up to my room and lay down. I gave him about 30 minutes. I went down the hall, went to the ice machine, had a bucket and filled it with ice water. I knocked on his door because he's giving me a bunch of grief and just baptized him with it. <laughs> you ever have a six foot seven man chasing after you? I was running like a rabbit trying to get away from him. He laughed his ass off. But there was a lot of things like that, you know. I mean, you know, I, I, Dusty Rhodes and I were in Houston one night, and this was back when the streaking was quite popular. Uh huh. He said, brother, he said, brother, you know, that lift. Uh-huh. He, said, I, he said, let's go streak the airport. This is in Houston. But we weren't at the big airport, we were at the smaller one. I said, okay. We do that, and we'll, Told the guys, meet us over here at point B over here. We go through there and people are hollering and laughing. I got on my cowboy boots and a smile. That's about it. Dusty's really? the same way. Yeah. And we get over, there's no car. They have our clothes in the car. Oh, no. So there's no car. I'm going, oh, shit. Now what are we going to do? <laughs> he laughed. He says, well, we were born with it. We might as well live with it. So. Anyway, that was a fun rip. They they finally came back and gave us our clothes. That's um, hilarious. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I, wow. I never did back down from a dare. <laughs> really? What was the wackiest dare you ever did? Probably the one with the clothes, you know. I mean, <laughs> You know, I mean, you're standing there with your, you know, everything hanging out. You know, what are you going to do? That's (laughs) hilarious. Now, do you think uh, 
part of the problem with wrestling today is, um, see, lack of, uh, how would I say? It seems like, you know, when you were driving, you know, when during territory wrestling, one of the greatest, uh, how would I say, um, learning or, or, or where you learned a lot was on the road, just listening and talking with the veterans in the cars. I was like your classroom. Now, you know, with no territories and less driving around and, you know, less veterans, do you think that's, uh, you know, hurting the art of professional wrestling? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you can ride, God rest his soul, if you can ride with Nick Bockwinkle uh-huh. and Bobby Heenan and me and uh, Junkyard Dog, do you think they're not going to tell you some things that you know you could do better? I mean, these guys were all main event guys, and they could just they could rip you apart. I tell you what, I'm wrestling in Los Angeles. And I feel these two hands on my shoulder, and I turn around and salute this. Wow. And I said, what are you doing, Lou? He, you know, Lou says was like seven times world champion. Uh-huh. I said, uh, what are you doing? He said, I'm watching the match. I said, Lou, you probably forgot more than most of us ever will learn. He said, no, I learned. He said, I learned from watching the matches, even the first match, because you can always take from the match, steal something from it, and use it in yours to make your your wrestling matches better. And I thought about that later. I thought, man, after that, I always watch the matches. Always. Yes. But, I mean, this guy was a technician. He knew what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. Wow, wow. Well, my brother, it's been a pleasure. We're running out of time here. So would you please... If you have any last words, social media, or plugs you would like to share to the great listeners out there, please take it away. Well, I thank them all first for listening to the show. Uh, It's been a long time since I've been in the ring. Uh, Somebody said, how much money would it take to get you back in the ring? (laughs) You don't have enough. You and all your family don't have enough. But uh, it's also, I want to plug my book again. It's One Last Ride, The Tale of Cowboy Scott Casey. And it's me and Nick Massey from Bristol, Connecticut. Damn Yankees. But anyway, he... (laughs) Where can you get the book? Where can you get the book? uh, You can go online or you uh, you can call me. I'll give you an address once we get off the air. And uh, you can uh, we we sell them all online, or, or I sell them personally, and I give autographs. I autograph the books and I sell them personally. And uh, I appreciate my time, your time with me here, and uh, thank you so much. And maybe we can do it again. Oh, definitely, we could do many more hours with your knowledge and history of wrestling. It, it was my pleasure. And, and it was an honor, and, and I'm glad, you know, I made a new friend and and a brother, and I want to say thank you. And you see Trish, tell her I said hello. Oh, okay. I sure will. I'm, I'm sure she's going to call me later to see how the interview go, and I'm going to tell her, hey, okay. I gave you the message. <laughs> All 
Don't tell her I got naked in Houston. She won't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) You got it, brother. All right. All right. right. Take care. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. Thank you. If you don't want to miss a single episode of Lyrical Spit or my daily spit, be sure to follow and or subscribe on most of your podcast platforms. You can get the show links all in one place at lyricalspit.com. And don't forget to share. I am going to end this show with Casey Donahue. He ain't a cowboy. Hate don't beat hate, but love has a chance. Hashtag Lyrical Spit. Hashtag Save Our Children. Talk to you tomorrow with my daily spit. And one more thing, Epstein didn't kill himself. You found that buckle in a pawn shop. Can't two step across this floor. Them boots ain't ever seen the mud. Can't be what you're looking for. Got a half-assed smile and fix Southern drawl He's dressed up like the Marlboro Man He's never backed in a box Dropped in a shoot And he's never rode for a brand Cause he ain't a cowboy He ain't a plowboy He's just a city boy in disguise And he's never drove a tractor Maybe that's the kind of man you're after And he can't saddle up no horse So he ain't ever gonna ride away I'm a saddle sore puncher and a buckle I want Sure to break your heart one day He's never pulled no plow from dust Stepped on a throne hay till the sun came up He's never hooked no bass on a Texas rig Hell, the man don't drive a truck And he'll be out across town tomorrow night in skinny jeans cause he has no shame He's never tipped his hat for guts or glory or riding through the pain. Cause he ain't a cowboy, he ain't a plowboy, he's just a city boy in the sky. And he's never drove a tractor, maybe that's the kind of man you're after. He can't saddle up no horse, so he ain't ever gonna ride away. And I'm a saddle sore puncher and a buckle I want, sure to break your heart one day. Here's a lesson you will learn Those boots don't make a cowboy, baby It's a title that you earn So if you leave with me tonight Know that it's hell I'll put you through But we'll be rolling outside With the speakers cranked up Listening to Chris Ledoux He ain't a cowboy, he ain't a just a city boy in the sky And he's never drove a tractor Maybe that's the kind of man you're after And he can't saddle up no horse So he ain't ever gonna ride away And I'm a saddle sore puncher and a buckle I want Sure to break your heart one day I'm a saddle sore puncher and a buckle I want Sure to break your heart one day
This was a Saison Dynamite Productions. <laughs>